You're listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I'll interview an author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. I'm your host, Adam Sokol, and if this is your first time listening in, thanks for being here. If you've been here for a while now, thanks for coming back. Today's episode is with Nick Brooks, whose new young adult uh, young adult novel, Promise Boys, has generated buzz and buzz and buzz. It is being compared to the likes of Angie Thomas, Jason Reynolds, and Karen McManus. It sparked a massive bidding war amongst publishers and led to a seven-figure publishing deal. Uh, we talk all about Promise Boys and the racial stereotypes and systemic oppression that it discusses within the book. Uh, but during this conversation, we also start by talking about Nick's deeply held passion for hip hop. Uh, Nick is a writer, of course. He is also a film director. He's an actor. And he also is a hip hop artist. He's very much a renaissance man. Uh, we talk about how when he grew up, he fell in love with hip hop music, specifically through the lyrics and the way that storytelling could be conveyed through those lyrics. And he talks about the different albums he loved growing up and how they they affected the way that he writes dialogue and how he lays out scenes because of the type of music that he listens to and then all these different things. We also talk about the different ways that he looks at storytelling, again, as a hip-hop artist, a writer, a director, and talking about when he gets a story idea and determining what type of medium to convey that story. And it's really, really interesting, really, really fascinating. Uh, and yeah, I think you're really, really going to love it. And Promise Boys, his new book, is absolutely just a dynamo. Uh, it is everywhere right now. Highly recommend going to check it out if you haven't gotten your copy yet. It just came out last week. As a book recommendation to kind of pair with it, which I like to do every single week, uh, if you have never read Solo by Kwame Alexander and Mary Rand Hess, I highly recommend this. And the reason that I wanted to recommend this one today uh, is the story of this uh, young kid named Blade, who's the son of a very famous washed up rock star who's a drug addict. Uh, and it tells the story of his relationship with his father and how he wants to be nothing like him. And the girl that he's trying to date, whose parents basically want to keep them apart because they expect this young guy to become just like his uh, drug addicted father. Um, but the reason I want to focus on it is Kwame and Mary wrote this in verse. So it's very lyrical. And I think it, it really pairs really well with Promise Boy. So Solo is phenomenal. And Kwame Alexander is just an awesome person and an incredible author. So I highly recommend checking that out if you haven't yet as well. If you want to get a hold of me, you can always reach me at passionsandprologues at gmail.com. Every single month, I give out a free bookshop.org gift card to people who send me their passions. I just love reading what you guys are passionate about, and I'll pick one of those at random at the end of the month. And also, if you leave me a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, send me a screenshot of that at passionsandprologues at gmail.com. I'll give you some customized book recommendations. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Passions and Prologues, where I do book reviews and just, you know, literary conversations all the time. Also, I do want to give a quick heads up. I've got a very special bonus episode coming this week for you guys in the weekend. So if you're looking for some things to add to your TBR list, definitely check out that episode. So it'll be right where all of the other episodes show up in your podcast app. Okay, that is all the housekeeping. 
I am so excited to say I hope you enjoy this discussion with Nick Brooks, author of Promise Boys on Passions and Prologues. I'm Anne Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. All right, Nick, I am super excited to have you on the show today. Your book is one of the buzziest things coming out this year, and I feel super honored that you're here. So let's dive right into it. What's the thing that you're super passionate about that we're going to talk about today? Yeah, man, you know, what I'm really uh, passionate about is uh, is music, you know? Um, I really, I, I started rapping at like 14 mm-hmm. um, and, and writing music and writing songs and uh, it's the thing that I find like when I need an escape, that's still what I go to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So when, um, I mean, obviously everybody has the, like the people in their lives or the places in their lives when they're younger that like gave them those, those first records, those first albums that sort of influenced the music that they would end up loving their whole career. But what, what are some of like your first memories of being introduced to the world of music and, and what were the things that stuck with you? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've always listened to music, you know, my family listened to music. Um, and for a while it was just kind of a thing. I think early, early music, the most I remember listening to was gospel, you know, and that was from my mom. She would play gospel, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, had a single mom for, for a while until, until she remarried. But, um, she, uh, you know, she would play gospel all the time. And that was like, I clearly saw how that gave her the strength in the morning. <laughs> like she, you know what I mean? She would be singing along and she was a singer. She was in a church choir and, you know, I was in the church and at, for a time I was in the church choir. So I really grew up around music and, and gospel from there. You know, I played the alto saxophone. Um, my grandmother played the piano. She was self-taught. She taught me. Um, but it was really the, int- like where things really changed for me was the introduction to hip hop. Mm-hmm. And that really came from my dad. Um, when I started to, when I got a little older, I would, you know, started seeing my dad a little more. Um, and the earliest things I remember, the earliest thing is probably like, like Wu-Tang. You know, it was like one of the earliest. And then that, you know, then it was, um, you know, Nas and uh, then it was, uh, you know, DM, it was Rakim for a time, even before Nas. Uh, um, and then DMX. And then it started to, you know, as I started to get older um, and like, you know, venturing out into the world on my own without my mom or my dad, um, I really just connected with the culture of hip hop and, and, you know, in all facets. and. Um, and became a poet, you know? I mean, ultimately what I'm really, really passionate about is like writing and storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. But I know I can't, that's kind of a cheat to talk about that <laughs> because I'm a, <laughs> cause I'm a, cause I'm an author, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so, but music I think was probably the other thing that's just kind of an offshoot, um, but, but still so connected to the stories I tell today. Yeah. So I'm super interested in this. I was, I was really lucky, kind of, kind of like you, like I, I first grew up, hearing the music of my parents and um you know a lot of it was like my my dad 
loved Motown. So I, I got to, I got introduced to a lot of Motown early, but then I'm, I'm the youngest of four siblings. So my, my siblings were kind of the people who introduced me to different types of music. And I was very lucky because I had siblings who listened to everything. So like if I was driving to, to school with my brother, who's, who's four years older than me, I'm, you know, one day we might be listening to like, I don't know, pick like an in sync album or something, but the next day he would yeah. put in like Nas or he would put in Tupac yeah. or and so I got to hear a little bit of everything. And like you said about like the the poetry. Actually, I remember like the one of the first books my mom ever bought me was Tupac's The The Rose That Grew From Concrete, like the, his book of poetry. Yeah. And I remember it just like sticking with me. And and then for me, I grew to love hip hop music specifically through the lyrics and Mm -hmm. and like the storytelling and so uh, for you like were you finding that these different artists that you were like that you kind of connected with was it through the lyrics or was it through like the beats what was it that kind of stuck with you as specific artists definitely the lyrics man and um you know it's funny like you said you you, your mom got you that book Mm -hmm. um i was at a camp one year really young and the camp counselor saw me like i would just be like I would be writing down lyrics to songs. Mm-hmm. Like I would just be finding loose paper and writing them down. And I was really young and, and he saw that. And so he would print out, you know, he would go online and print out the lyrics for all these songs. But Tupac was one of those ones that he printed out a lot. Um, and for me, it definitely was the lyrics um, that connected with me. And I think similarly with uh, DMX, I always talk about DMX because, uh, you know, for me, he's, he's probably like, one of his first album is Dr. Hellas High is my favorite album of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the poetry and, 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 and the way they describe in such detail with such emotion, their environments, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm looking out the window and, and it's my reflection and it just, it's hard not to connect, connect with that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, bro, just, just, just like you, the lyrics is what really grabbed me. And that's why I really give credit to hip hop for like, you know, getting that itch to start writing because reading those lyrics is, I mean, I even some, you know, like you say, I, I, we do these podcasts or, or panels and stuff. And like, you always get the questions about like the authors that inspired you the most mm-hmm. and the authors you read the most and all of that. And I always say like, it's crazy because for me, it was more so like rap and hip, you know, that's, those were my authors. You know what I'm saying? Like Earl Simmons, Sean Carter. Um, these were my authors. Although obviously I did read, but they, they are the ones who like painted the, 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 the most vivid stories for me. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting you said it because you're absolutely right. Like the the uh, I, I can remember specific songs still that I probably haven't heard in like forever, and I could do the like like lyrics because I remember them because of the way that they told stories. Like um, I think Brenda has a song by Tupac, like where he literally yeah, yeah. has a whole story about her. And but then there's also other songs that I remember that my brother used to play, like um, DJ Quick's album Rhythmalism and like there's a again there's a yeah. literally like a lyric at the beginning it's like my name is Quick and I've been moving fast like a race car like I could do the whole thing because it's like yeah. these beats that hit and so like you were saying about how these different artists inspire you as a writer obviously when you're you know like you said when you kind of were writing down lyrics and and wanting to perform them yourself that's a, a different type of writing but when you were writing like you know your new book Promise Boys for example did you find mm-hmm. that you would try to write in a way that sort of mimicked the way that you wanted to write music or is it something entirely different for you? It's definitely different, but there is a, there's, there's some crossover there because I think there's just um, kind of a musicality to like the way I write dialogue, just like Mm -hmm. inherently. And I think a lot of that comes from, I know it comes from my connection to, to music and, um, 
specifically like lyrics and how they're said, how they're written, you know, just, just the, 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 um, the rhythm of it, you know, there's a rhythm to it that I think is very similar to probably how I write lyrics, you know, and how I write poetry. Um, and then, you know, a lot of the environment and the texture of the world is the same because it's, it's, you know, Promise Boys are set in DC where I'm from, you know, it's the same, it's the same type of thing as the city. It's a, it's a story of, of inner city kids. Um, and those are the stories that I talked about in my music too. So I definitely think if anything, I was, I was well prepared for all the years of writing lyrics. You know, it was, it, it definitely prepared me for, um, for the, for Promise. And even, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you know my whole story, but even go, coming from music, um, you know, I also got into film. You know, I just graduated mm-hmm. from USC's film school in 2020. So that was another, that was another kind of preparation that I had. Um, but between the two, it, it just kind of set me up for success, to be honest, with Promise. Yeah, and, and I have to imagine thinking about, like you were talking about how the, the dialogue you write is is a little lyrical. And, and I have to imagine that it's going to help. Like, I know you're, still relatively close to the the readers that are going to read your new book. Mm-hmm. But I think of um, like having interviewed Jason Reynolds a bunch of times and Kwame Alexander a bunch of times, like they, they basically said that kind of, they were talking about like what you're saying, like, yeah, I listen to music and I talk to the kids that I'm writing for so that I can write in a way that they, they can recognize. But I have to imagine like, do you, was that something that you had in mind knowing that you were writing a young adult novel? Like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm writing in a way that younger people are going to still be able to relate to? And if so, like, h- how did you make sure that you were going to remain that relatable? Because I always think it's funny, like, you people who write young adult books very rarely are, you know, like teenagers anymore when they're writing them. So how did yeah, you yeah. write, uh, you know, how did you write in a way that was able to be connected to for those younger readers? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think, so it's, it's a few parts. Like you said, one, still being connected with the kids, talking to kids, being in schools. Um, two, it helps a lot when you, I mean, I'm not a kid anymore, but I remember how I spoke <laughs> as a kid. You know what I mean? Again, it's, you know, it's like, you know, it's funny because I, I kind of just tap back into that. I think about, I just think about me, to be honest. I think about me and how I, how I would speak as a kid. Um, and then just being tapped in with the culture, man. You know, being like, yeah, being, listening to the music, um, you know, being on Twitter, you know what I mean? Like kind of yeah. just staying, stay, staying tapped in with the culture and the vibe. And um, I think the, the more, the, the closer to that you are, then the easier it is to imagine what a 17. And then not to mention, you got to remember too, I taught. Not not just being in classrooms from you know from from you know giving presentations on books, but I mm-hmm. taught these kids too you know for a good amount of time. I just left. I just transitioned out of education mm-hmm. in 2017, which actually seems very far now. But I swear, <laughs> with, pand- with, with, with pandemic, it just like the time kind of just condensed. So forever, and, yeah. Yeah, in my in my head, 2017 wasn't that long ago, but I got to remember it was six years ago. But um, you know, I taught kids. I coached little league football, like you know. I work with, uh, like, the exact population, average young black men. Um, I work with them specifically teaching character development, you know, when I was in college at Howard University. So it's just kind of one of those things that's a part of me a little bit. And so I, it wasn't necessarily, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, top of mind. It was more of a kind of just a subconscious, you know, getting into the zone, really, like, getting mm-hmm. into the writing zone and just and just embracing the voice. 
Yeah, along those lines, I, I happened to, at the time we were recording this, I just happened to yesterday, I interviewed a screenwriter who transitioned into uh, writing a novel, like it just happened to be I'm interviewing you both this week. But you yeah, know, I'm curious for you, while you were in film school, and then, you know, wanting to tell stories that are going to be, you know, visual, obviously, in nature, if it's, you know, whether it's short films or full or, you know, long, you know, full length films, how does it feel differently for you as as a storyteller? Because you said like at your core, whether it's, you know, recording hip hop or writing poetry or creating, you know, movies or films and or writing your, you know, your books now, it, it's all storytelling. But like, what is how does it feel different for you to look at a story that you want to put on the screen as opposed to writing it down and turning it into a novel? Yeah, that's another great question for me. And, you know, I'm just like, like you said, this is my first YA novel. You know, mm-hmm. I did, I had one middle grade come out in October. So I, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't consider myself like, you know, an expert necessarily, but for, for me, the, the way that I, the way that I see it is for a screen, um, the worlds are, the worlds, the uh, the tone, the um, you know, and like really those two things really really scream on the page, mm-hmm. um, and you know it's it's something that it's something specific that I need you to see to be able to understand like the journey of this particular character. For for the novels, um, for me at least, they're much smaller, character driven kind of like stories, like. If I if I have an idea where the character, <clears throat> excuse me, where the character is like so 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 rich, like my my idea for my ne- for my next YA mystery, like the character came to me and it's just such a, a it's just so much to explore with that mm-hmm. person. They're so deep, it makes me feel like this needs to be a novel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Versus like versus the world being fantastic and uh, you know and you know. Oh, whatever kind of like magic you want to what you know whatever it is once it becomes like really really uh cinematic really is the mm-hmm. word like once something feels like very cinematic for me it's like oh okay this makes sense for screen it's it's big um but then with the novel you kind of zero in that's how i think about it so you know i could take any idea you know like the story of men in black you know um the mm-hmm. the, the novel the, the novel that i would pull out of that is I don't know if you remember Men in Black. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Well, but, I think we're in similar but, ages. <laughs> OK, cool, cool. But when when um, but when, uh, you know, when when that spaceship lands in that backyard and that woman and the, the husband comes out and that woman comes to the door, and he yells at her to go back inside. Mm-hmm. What does the novel look like that she writes about living with him? <laughs> on <Yeah. that? laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just think like her character and mom is just so deep in that mm-hmm. movie because it's like she's this woman who has this husband that that you know whatever his deal is <laughs> she's trying to hold it she's trying to hold it together again uh-huh. like i said i get i that's, that's where my imagination goes it just kind of goes out there um but um but even uh but even um i'm no i don't know why i'm blanking on tommy lee's character's name but oh this is it jay <clears throat> no one of them is jay one of them is k one of them is and one of them is k i think he might be k i, I forget but even his, even his character, like, again, just learning about, you know, you know, I'd cut back to when he first joined, which they eventually did, right? Like, when they mm-hmm. did two, three, like, they started to go there, they started to dive deeper. But for me, that's, that's kind of the, a little bit of the difference is, like, focusing, you know, on these people in this particular, like, in a particular moment versus making a kind of really big cinematic sweeping gesture. 
Yeah, that's which is a very long way to answer that question. But no, but honestly, that's that's extremely interesting. Because I was telling you before I we, were, we recorded, like I, I've interviewed you know hundreds of authors at this point, and I authors always talk about like people when they're looking for books that they want to read, people will say like, well, I'm drawn into books that have a certain atmosphere or I'm drawn into books because of the, like they're, you know, character driven or plot driven, whatever it is. But it's really interesting. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like for you, if you are like, if you think of a story in your brain and you're like, you want to explore the world, it's maybe more of a visual thing. But if there's a specific Mm -hmm. character that you want to dive into, that's something you might want to write out more into like a, a novel. Is that, Sound 100%, right? 100%, 100%, because the freedom that I got with the novel is just to be inside the head of the character. You don't get that really for screen, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, that's just not how you write it, right? Like for screen, for screen, and me, you know, I'm also a director. So for, for, for a writer director, it's all about subtext. Like, mm-hmm. on the, on like, for, like on the page, everything's about subtext. Whereas in the novel, I can literally just jump, the, the character can go inside his own thoughts and just think out loud. Like for uh-huh. me, that's, uh, to be honest, is, is, I hate to say it like this, but in, on the, like for a screen, like that's that's like a cheat almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a cheat almost. So like to be able to do that in the novel is great because I have lots of lots of thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to be able to just step into the shoes of a character and just think and just let them talk to themselves. Like that's really fun for me, you know. So uh-huh. I like that about I like that about book writing. That's is this. It's so like rare to get to, to talk to someone who is like who tells stories in so many different avenues. It is it is really cool just to think about like you writing the novel, at like and looking at it through the eyes of a director and being like, okay, how would I shoot this like this mm-hmm. particular scene if it was a film, and then how would I go ahead and write that out from someone else's like point of view? Mm-hmm. This isn't even a question. Now I'm just like trying to project myself into your brain. So uh, for my listeners who might not somehow be aware of Promise Boys, can you kind of introduce the novel to them and then we'll, we'll dive into some questions about that real quick? Absolutely, yeah. So Promise Boys is a, uh, you know, YA murder mystery set in Washington, D.C., my hometown. And it centers on Urban Promise Prep, an all-boys charter school um, that's ran by uh, authoritarian, uh, you know, Principal Moore, who believes that he has to pretty much... Uh, for lack of a better word, beat the discipline into these, into these mm-hmm. black kids, black and brown kids. Um, and so Principal Moore, you know, tragically turns up dead and three boys emerge as suspects in the crime, all of them with the motive um, and potentially access. Um, and so they'll have to kind of put their differences aside or their mistrust for each other aside to, to work together to figure out who actually did this to clear their names. And that's, uh, and that's Promise Boys. Yeah. And I have to say, uh, your, your publish, your publishing team is doing some incredible work. Like I just love, like, there's such a mic drop moment when like in the description of the book, it says for fans of Jason Reynolds, Angie Thomas and Karen McManus, like it's just, such a, <laughs> it's such a trio and like, it's just so fantastic. And I, 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 I want to ask you not about mm-hmm. that. Cause like, no one wants to be asked, like, how's it feel to be compared to Angie Thomas? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'm not going to yeah. ask you. That's, that's a rough question, but what, yeah. um, what made you want to write like a murder mystery type story? Like what made you want to go that avenue? Cause obviously I, I can understand why you would, you know, put the, put the story in like your hometown, all everything like that makes a ton of sense. But what made you want to go down this kind of like murder mystery type route? Yeah. Well, you know, actually that's what I write primarily on the TV film side is mm-hmm. mystery is murder mystery. And so it all came about because somebody actually, I had a different murder mystery script. Somebody read, um, you might, you might even be familiar with Kate Creative. 
Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so they read that script and, and and reached out. It was like, hey, like, and they and they did some, you know, do their research. However, they did. They found out, you know, I, I worked in education and da 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 da. And they were like, yo, would you ever, you know, would you write a murder mystery centered in like a school? And I was like, hell yeah, of course. That's like, that's where I come from. Um, and so, yeah, so we developed the idea and, and I kind of wrote it out. But it all, I mean, that's really to be, like I said, that, the answer is really just like, that's what I write. Um, and another thing that I always tell people is like, when I do talk about the authors that did inspire me growing up, the big one for me was Walter Mosley. You know, I was reading Walter Mosley probably way younger than I should have been. <laughs> um, but he did, um, you know, like, I don't know if you saw the movie Devil in a Blue Dress with Denzel, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he did the whole Easy Rollins series. Um, and before that, you know, of course, it's, it's Hardy Boys, you know, I'm reading mm-hmm. that. Those, those are the other things I kind of grew up on. So, you know, you got Hardy Boys, you got Walter Mosley, um, a little bit of Sidney Sheldon, um, just these crime mysteries. And that's what I grew up reading. And so, you know, it's kind of what I, when I, when, when I started to my own, you know, journey in, into writing uh, and telling stories, outside of the music medium, at least, uh, that's, that's kind of what I gravitated towards was, was murder mystery. So two questions off that one are, are those the types of books you still find yourself drawn towards? And then sort of the same question, but from like a film side of things, you find yourself drawn towards murder mystery or just like mystery in general type films when you're watching things. hundred percent on, on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, I mean, mysteries are, they're a, a, kind of another cheat, to be honest, because the the engine is so strong, right? That this an inherent engine is like, okay, we got to figure out what happened. Um, and so, if you have a well constructed mystery, it's hard not to be compelling, <laughs> to mm-hmm. be, you know, in my, at least in my mind. So, um, definitely, I think murder mystery, and then also like crime adjacent, mm-hmm. um, like uh, trying to think of so. Uh, one movie I always reference is uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't know if you've seen oh that Oh my one. God, that is, I have, yeah. oh, what a good movie. Sorry, I'm not <laughs> yeah. talking over you. This is bad podcasting. Go ahead. It's such a good no, movie. No, no, no. No, you're, you're, you're fine. I mean, those, that's the type of shit I like, you know. Um, you know, Guy, Guy Ritchie stuff, you know. Um, you know, Snatch is another one of mine. Um, one of my favorites. Like, I, I love just those type of movies. And some of those aren't necessarily mystery, but they're, the, they're these witty, you know, quick-turning, quick-turning crime uh, films that's like, you know, keeps you, kind of keeps you guessing. Quentin Tarantino is another one who does that, you know, with uh, Jackie Brown, that type of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, man, that's kind of what I grew up, that's kind of what I grew up on. And that's like, that's the stuff I really, really like to watch, stuff I really like to read, stuff I like to write. Yeah, no, I know like, oh man, I'm, we're so close to me just falling down a rabbit hole of others. Like, like <laughs> you mentioned like Snatch and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and like Lock, Sock and Two Smoking Grill. You're absolutely right. Like yeah. these movies where, and books are the same way, but it's like, I think what, what what I love so much about those those exact films is it's like you you watch them the first time and then like you said they're not necessarily a mystery but like the way they're shot and, I, and I'll use Snatch because you're talking about that like the Guy yeah. Ritchie film the way that it's shot and then like it it kind of goes back to scenes and it like quick cuts how, what actually happened that you didn't see the first time and then you want to watch mm-hmm. it again to see if you can pick up on those things and I think it's the same thing like I find myself if I read a book where it's a mystery. And then like those last few, you know, pages, it's like blows your mind. Like all I want to do is go back and see like what stuff I missed and then it makes it rereadable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know exactly. Again, not a question, but yeah, we are very much on the same page. <laughs> so no, that's dope. I mean, and this is why, it's, this is why it's fun to talk with people outside of just book stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause you find all these other similarities, you know what I mean? And all these other things that, that you like, and you can just talk as people versus like being focused on trying to promote a book. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so have, so have you been, have you 
watched or read anything recently that gave you that same feeling like that? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but like, is there anything recently that you've kind of enjoyed that you've been like, oh my God, this is, this is exactly that feeling that I want? I tell you what, um, I think Severance is probably, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that one at the Apple show. Um, yeah. And Ben Stiller is just, I mean, I, I really liked his first joint, uh, Escape from Denimora, Um mm-hmm. and he's just killing it with the with, with what he's doing. But I think Severance kind of gave me that feeling. It was like, it's a little more sci-fi, but there's a there's a mystery in it. Uh, you know, another one I really like, that's this exact thing that we're talking about. It's not quite mystery, mystery adjacent, is White Lotus. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I think the writing on that is really good. Um, those would be two that I that I'd say I've seen recently that that kind of give me that like oh I'm I'm just with it like the engine is great mm-hmm. um, and the writing is good and um there's things there's things I'm looking for because I know things are being hidden from me you know yeah I, Severance is one of those shows where I know it's only been one season but like the the last episode of Severance was and I won't give anything away for anyone who hasn't watched Severance yet but like it's so good that. Like when I went back and found out, like you said, that, that it's Ben Stiller, it was one of those moments where like I almost got irritated that he was also that <laughs> at, like directing and producing too. You know what I mean? I'm sure you probably yeah, feel yeah. that way, like having. Yeah. But yeah, it was like one of those things where I was like, "How dare this man be so like, like yeah. good looking and talented and charming and funny and as a great actor, yeah. and then also be able to pull together <laughs> a show like that?" Just infuriating. Yeah, yeah, man. He's good. No, he's good at it. He's he's good at it, bro. Like, like I said. Off his first one, he did one called Escape with uh, with uh, Benicio del Toro and um, who else was in that one? I forget, but it was also just really good. And I'm like, hey, he's I don't like like you said, you said it, you said it just how I said was saying. You know, I'm just like, man, I guess I guess he's the man. Yeah, it's just frustrating. It's just like, man, you shouldn't be able to save some room for somebody else. But yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Nick, you're, I know you're, you're super busy and I know I kind of just asked you for some recommendations, but I, I always end uh, each conversation by having the authors on the show give a recommendation. It could be a book. It could be uh, a music album. I've had people recommend uh, protein powder and just like going for a walk. It could anything that you want to recommend that people should either know about or do more in their lives. The, the floor is yours. Uh, I'll shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Um. Man. I, anything I would recommend? Well, I would recommend um Severance if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I would um. Jeez. What else? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I don't want to. I don't want to blow this opportunity. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what I should recommend me. I mean, obviously, you know, hate to just go to the self-promotion bag, but, you know, yeah. Promise Boys is coming out, you know, this Tuesday. Um, you know, also actually we'll have uh, a new album that I'm releasing uh, next Friday. Um, um, and that's under Ben Kenobi. That's not, that's not yeah. New Brooks. But, uh, but uh, and what else? Um, and yeah, and just like, you know, I just want it to be a great year for everybody. It's a, it's top, it's the top of the year. And, um, hopefully we can, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we have a peaceful healing year. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. just excited for, for, for peace and, and happiness this year. So anybody listening, just be thinking about how you can lean into that this year. That's absolutely perfect. Well, Nick, the book is one of the most anticipated things I'm going to read all year and I'll make sure people will know they'll have they'll, all the links are in the show notes for the album and the book and everything and Nick is literally getting ready to go out on book tour so I appreciate you taking the time thank you so much for joining me today thank you Adam Pat 
Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.